Last week, Josh began a short series uh, on sharing hope. He primarily talked about hope. And today I'm going to talk about the sharing part. The greatest thing that ever happened was God coming to the earth in the person of Jesus. The life that Jesus lived was the greatest life that ever was lived. And the death that Jesus died and his subsequent resurrection and ascension into glory was the most profound and climactic event of the very purpose of God that he planned before he even created the earth. It's the greatest story ever told. It's a story of love. It's a story of deliverance, a story of redemption, a story of salvation. It is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and what God has done through him. It reveals the very purpose of God. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. The Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The church of Jesus Christ is the physical, bodily instrument to carry on the very purpose that Jesus came for. There's a lot that we could say in this idea, this concept, this analogy that we read in Scripture that identifies disciples of Jesus, followers of Christ, as the body of Christ. There is much that could be said about the implications of the fact that we are collectively the body of Jesus, the very body of Jesus. A few moments ago, we ingested from a loaf of bread, of unleavened bread, that Jesus said when he instituted the supper, this is my body. And so as the body of Christ, we partook of something that is an emblem or representation in some spiritual way of the body of Christ. And we take in the body of Christ. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent to the believers indwells in us. And so in a very real way, we are the body of Christ. And that is why the natural inclination for the church is to carry out the will, the purpose, the plan of taking the gospel of salvation to everyone who is lost in sin. The mission of Christ is to seek and save the lost. And that very mission is passed on to us. Jesus said to his disciples in John 20, 21, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. 
I don't think many things in Scripture could be more clear than the purpose of the body of Christ is to extend, continue, perpetuate the mission of Jesus in this world. Go and make disciples of all nations, he said. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, Matthew 28, 20. I want to look at some things from this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Now, if you read the verses before that, when you read the phrase, you're not like that, he's talking about the people who are not believers, people who are of the world. He said, you're not like those folks. You, on the other hand, are chosen by God. You are royal priests. I don't know what your background is, what your history is, many of you. Some of you I do, some of you I don't. And therefore, I'm probably not aware of everything that comes to your mind when you hear the word priest. I don't know what you think about. But I'll tell you this. The New Testament scriptures identify the church, believers, disciples, as priests of King Jesus. We are a royal priesthood. We all, in other words, serve the will of Jesus our Lord. And so we carry on his mission. He goes on to say, you're a holy nation. Remember, there have been many references to this on this stage, and many have taught about it. The New Testament identifies Jesus in many ways, but one of those ways is he's called the second Adam. You can read that in Romans chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Jesus is the second Adam. Adam. Who was Adam? Obviously, you know who Adam was, the very first man God created. And so Jesus being the second Adam simply is telling us that God started all over. He created another race, a different race, one that was not like the first race. What's the difference? This wasn't just a man made out of dust. This is a man a God-man who came down from heaven. This was a special man, unlike any man that's ever lived. This was a sinless, perfect man, very God himself, the son of the almighty God. And so Jesus came down, and he started a new race of people. And those who are followers of Christ, those who are the body of Christ, make up that new race of people. And that's why we are called a holy nation, because we have been washed, we have been sanctified, we have been purified, we are indwelled by the very Spirit of God. We are holy. In fact, we are God's very own possession. As a result... You can show others the goodness of God. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because of our identity, because of who we are in Jesus Christ, 
It is our purpose to show everybody around us how good God is. Well, how do we do that? We show the world around us how good God is by living out our identity. Living life in such a way that it is evident to those around us that we are a chosen people. We are a different race of people. We are a holy priesthood. Jesus put it like this one time to his disciples. He said, love one another even as I have loved you, John 13, 34. By this, the world will know that you are my disciples by the way you love each other. And so there it is. You want to preach the gospel, you got to live it. This is not going to be a sermon where I chastise everybody because you have not been out there witnessing and telling everybody about Jesus. What this is, is intended for you to understand the reality of what witnessing the gospel and the power of the gospel really is. It's not about you running around trying to find everybody you can to say some uh, sinner's prayer. It's not about that sort of thing. It's not about how many people that you can dunk in the water. It's not about all that. Let me tell you what it's about. It's about Christ Jesus living in me in such a way that the people around me, in the world around me, in my neighborhood, the people I work with, that these people see Jesus. That's how we take Jesus to the world. We live Jesus. We act like Jesus. Well, how in the world can I do that? Anybody that knows me knows that I don't act like Jesus all the time. But because I am in Christ... Because I am a part of this holy nation, because I am a priest of King Jesus, I am continuously washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I stand before God hidden in Christ. And I am righteous and justified. And whatever sin that I have is covered by the grace of God. And that gap between who I am and who Jesus is is covered by grace. And so I can have the strength and the power and the conviction and the faith to live as Jesus lived. And to be everything that God has called me to be. And that is true of you. It's true of every one of you who follow Jesus Christ. Jesus said the way the world looks at us and perceives our love for each other is going to have a lasting impact in their lives. And they will know. They will know who we are. Because they see, they experience the love of Jesus. 
Two of the charter members of this church are Bruce Bailey and Wayne Bowen. However many years ago, 30 some odd years ago when this church uh, began, these guys, and I'm sure there are others of you, their wives for one, but these guys were at the very first service that this church ever had, the very first assembly of that group of people that met to praise God. Did you know, I've never told them what I'm about to say, and my point is not to embarrass them, but I have had more than one occasion where someone from the neighborhood, someone maybe who's worked with them in the past, where someone has told me, that's the best man I've ever known. I've had people tell me that about Bruce. I've had people tell me that about Wayne. Not very long ago, an ambulance pulled up to Wayne's house and took him to the hospital. And when that ambulance left, Becky was there talking and meeting uh, uh, a couple of new people that she had never seen before that were our neighbors. And one man told her, Wayne Bowen's the best man I know. That's what I'm talking about. Bruce Bailey and Wayne Bowen are living the gospel story. They're living a life of love, of giving, of serving, of helping, of being someone who stands out in a world of darkness. In a world of sin, a world of evil, a world where people mistreat each other, a world where people are messed up and broken and have all kinds of issues, and yet there are people that stand out as bright, shining lights. Did not Jesus say in John 8, 12 and John 9, verse 5, I am the light of the world. And didn't he turn around and tell his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. And what did he say about our lights? He said, you don't take a light and you stick it under the bed or put a basket over the top of it where the light is covered and dimmed and nobody can see it. The point of the light is to be seen. And in a world of darkness, we are to shine as lights in this world, Philippians 2.16 tells us. We are to shine the light of the glory of Jesus Christ, and it happens by loving one another, loving those around us, forgiving. Are you holding a grudge against someone? Why? Why on earth would you hold a grudge against anybody? When the Lord Jesus, who was hanging on a cross and being spit on and mocked, said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How can you hold a grudge? How can you not forgive someone for the hurt that they've done you when you've hurt Jesus thousands of times more? And he has forgiven you of everything. 
How selfish and foolish we are sometimes. Self-centered, self-oriented, when we should be looking to what is best for others. How to serve the other person. How can I show grace? How can I show mercy? How can I show forgiveness? How can I be understanding? How can I be kind? How can I be gentle? These are the things that should characterize our relationships and the way we treat one another. Are you struggling in a relationship with someone? Then why don't you love them better than what you have loved them before? Wouldn't that be a great place to start? If I have something against someone, why don't I just love them more. Whatever someone has done to you, whatever pain you feel, whatever way you struggle in a relationship, love them anyway. Love them anyway. And see where that gets you. It'll get you better relationships. That's where it'll get you. And people will see it. People will be influenced by it. And people will know there goes a godly person. There goes a Christ follower. That's how we take the message into the world of darkness. He says, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, wow, we could unpack a lot there, huh? We're homebodies, aren't we? We like home. We like things the way we like them. We like our place, our stuff, our way. And Peter says, no, 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 no. This is not your home. This world is not your home. You are here temporarily. You're just passing through. You're just a pilgrim. You're a foreigner. You're not going to be here long. You're passing through here to get somewhere else that God has prepared for you. So he says, keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't that a wonderful thing that when Jesus comes again, there were actually going to be people in this world that are going to give honor and glory to God because of you. In Luke chapter 8, verse 26 through 39, the Bible says, They sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee, When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time, he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. 
When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you to not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, Let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. The people then went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. That's one of the most disturbing, confusing statements in the Bible right there. This naked, demon-possessed terror who lived at the cemetery and terrorized everybody around, the one that everybody was afraid of, after Jesus gets a hold of him, the demons are gone, he's got his clothes on, he's sitting there at the feet of Jesus in his right mind, and now they are afraid? And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them. For they were seized with great fear. Imagine that. After all Jesus had done for them, for that man, for their countryside, they want him to leave the man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Today, if you are grateful if you understand what Jesus has done for you, you go home and you tell everybody about it. What has Jesus done for you? Maybe it would be good to pull out a pen and paper or sit down at the keyboard whichever suits you. And why don't you just write down everything you can think of. All the ways Jesus has changed your life, all the ways he's blessed you, all of the good that he's done for you. Would you do that? Would you do that this week? Just write down everything that you can think of, everything you see that Jesus has done. And think about it. Think about where you would be without him. 
just spend some time thinking about your story, your life, and the effect that Jesus has had on you. You know, when we have it really good, when something really good or beautiful happens to us, we often can't wait to tell our family, our friends, our neighbors, whoever will listen. Anytime I have a new grandbaby born, I don't have the slightest problem telling anybody about it. Because I'm so happy, I'm so blessed by my grandchildren, and so I like to talk about them, I like to tell stories about them. It's a joy to my life. Is Jesus the joy of your life? Do you like talking about Jesus, or is it hard for you to talk to someone about Jesus? Are we embarrassed to talk about Jesus? Are we embarrassed to tell someone what Jesus means to me? If you really believe that you are blessed, abundantly blessed by Jesus, how can you not share it? Revelation 12, 11, they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. This is stated about martyrs, people that gave their life for Jesus. And one of the things that it mentions here is they conquered Satan. Two things, two ways, two things stated specifically how Satan was conquered. You want to conquer Satan in your life? You do it by being washed in the blood of the Lamb, and you do it by telling your testimony. God is the only one who can turn a mess into a message. He's the only one who can turn a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, and a victim into a victory. Write out your testimony. It's not hard. Where you were before you came to know Jesus, write it down. What happened, how Jesus came into your life and the change that was made, where you are right now, and then where you're going. Three steps. That's all there is to it. What is your testimony? What is your story? There's power. There's power in a story. There's power in real life testimonies. I could go on and on and on today of the stories in my life where I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has showed up. God has intervened. God has changed things. God has worked things. He's answered prayer. He's done so many things. I have been there. I've watched it happen. And I've seen stories that happened to the others, those around me, those that I've been close to, and those that have been part of the church family that I've been in in the different places over the years. One story after another, 
of the beautiful, lovely, wonderful, incredible things that God has done in my life. The changes that have taken place. The needs that have been provided. And all the ways when I may have been frustrated or disturbed or dissatisfied or unhappy or whatever. And the joy and the peace that he has brought. Time and time and time again. God has delivered. God has showed up. God has come through. One of the more recent ones a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago, whenever it was. My wife got sick, her eardrum burst and got all infected, went to an ENT specialist. He did MRIs and all kinds of tests. She went, I don't know how many times she went to that guy. But anyway, his conclusion was, I'm afraid you'll never get your hearing back in that ear again. She couldn't hardly hear anything out of that ear. And a short time later, several Christians, some of them in this room, were in a room praying for her. In fact, Steve was the one that led the prayer. And shortly after that prayer, her hearing came back. I know it because I was there. Other people were there. Other people were sitting with her when her hearing came back. You know, you can write that off. You can dismiss it. You can say it was a fluke. You can say it was an accident. You can say whatever you want to say. But I tell everybody that God healed Becky's ear. I believe it. There's no doubt in my mind, and I'm going to keep telling it. And really, there's story after story after story, and you have stories. And sometimes people are not in the mindset of thinking that way, and they think, well, I just can't think of any. Come on, you can. Yes, you can. Don't tell me that you followed Jesus for umpteen years and God's never done anything in your life. I don't even believe that. We need to wake up our spiritual senses. We need to get our own human spirit open and in tune with the Holy Spirit that dwells in us and stop resisting the Spirit and stop trying to quench the Spirit and allow the Spirit of God to live and work and be God in us. And that's how the world will know. That's how the gospel is proclaimed. Because when you allow the Spirit of God to work in you, he is going to tell people about Jesus because that's who he is and that's what he does. Jesus said so in the book of John when he said, I will not leave you alone, but I will send the Holy Spirit to come to you. And one of the things that he said about the Holy Spirit's work, he said, he will testify of me. That's who the Holy Spirit is and that's who he is in me and that's who he is in you. Let him talk. Let's pray.
Our Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the joy of serving you, living in your kingdom. And we just ask you, Father, give us the power, the strength, and the love, and the joy. Wipe away our fears, our doubts, and let us live the life that you have brought to us to the fullest And let us love each other in such a way that the whole world, our world, the world around us, will see the gospel in action. Experience the love that you have for us all and that God will be glorified.